I'm Dean Haskolar, the Assistant Dean of Students for ASU Downtown. Today, I have special guests. Sabira Madari is one of our international students from Afghanistan. She's pursuing a bachelor's degree in medical studies at the College of Health Solutions at ASU Downtown. She's also the photographer behind Agil, Photos from Afghanistan. Sabira's photos remind us that Afghanistan is more than conflict or war and showcase the beauty of the land, the people, and their life before the Taliban takeover in August 2021. The Agil exhibit is currently been displayed at the Multicultural Communities of Excellence space at ASU downtown until March 31st. My second guest today is Dr. Pamela DeLargy, Professor of Practice at the School of Politics and Global Studies at the ASU College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. Prior to joining Arizona State University, Dr. DeLargy served as the head of the United Nations Population Fund's humanitarian programs. She worked to bring attention to the needs of women and adolescents in emergency situations. She was senior advisor to the UN Special Representative for Migration and a visiting fellow at the Institute for Global Affairs at the London School of Economics. Hi, welcome to the Fuse podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I would love to start this conversation by telling our audience a little bit about who you are. So let's start with you, Sabira. It's been a year since you came to ASU and started your journey here. I was wondering if you would like to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at ASU. Thank you so much. Um, um, my name is Sabira. I just want to introduce myself again. Um, I am from the central part of Afghanistan. And um, on August 2021, an unexpected situation unfortunately happened that um, as a result of that, we ended up being in Arizona. So giving a little bit background of like what happened, um, the Taliban, who is a terrorist group, they came into power in Afghanistan after almost 20 years. And it was a very sudden situation that happened within just a few hours, which was very unexpected. And we, our group was, we were um, associated part of a university back um, in Bangladesh that called Asian University for Women. Um, they reached out to us and they were trying to find out ways to get us out of Afghanistan. That's how we came together, uh, a group of 150 women. And we, um, we came together and we, uh, with the help of um, a lot of peoples from different um, um, governmental sector of U.S. and also the, the people from AUW, we were able to get out of Afghanistan. And that's how we ended up here in Arizona after we came to U.S. ASU provided as a scholarship. And now we are here. Um, I'm along with the 64 other young women over here. And how are you doing here? How are you adjusting to your new life? I think um, we adjusted pretty fast. Um, it's because the um, welcoming community that's over here from Arizona, from ASU. I'm so glad that we have Professor Pamela over here with us. She is totally like our mom. Yeah, we call her mom, my <laughs> mother, yeah. Because um, she took care of us very well. She knew um, what is um, or how is um, 
the situation or how the people would be coming through that um, experience. So she knew how to deal with us and how to support us. So um, I would say it's not easy. There was definitely ups and downs, but um, ASU made it as like made the whole environment like a home for us and a welcome us in a very in a way that we thought, okay, this happened, but we have a future ahead and we can have something. So that's how um, I think we adjusted pretty fast and integrated with the community. That's wonderful to hear. And do you still have family or friends back in Afghanistan? And how are they doing? Um, yeah, I have my own family back in Afghanistan. I have um, my sisters and my mom, which is like fully female um, family. And I don't have um, any male member, unfortunately. So considering the current situation for them, it's quite I would not say quite hard, it's really hard because um, they are not able to work, they are not able to go out or travel alone, and they are not able to study. So basically my mom, along with my sisters, they stack in a, um, like four different walls or like in a room or in a house because of their own safety, they are not, they are trying to do not like really cut attention. So they are just staying in home most of the time. And um, it's hard for them, but also I have my friends. Um, I have my students, I have my um, relatives. Um, I can hear a lot of stories from them, how they are like suffering with this situation. Unfortunately, the situation is really tough now, especially for the women in Afghanistan. How many sisters do you have and what are their ages? Um, we are um, in total five sisters all together. I am second youngest, and I have a younger sister than like from younger sister um, than me. Um, she is um, in New Zealand, and I'm here with another sister, and two are in Afghanistan. I'm a little bit uncertain about the age <laughs> because um, it's I I'm 24 and it's like two and a half years different. I'm in the middle. I, I'm the second youngest. My younger sister is like around 21 or 20. Um, and then my elder sister is 26, basically, with me. So it's like just two, two years, <laughs> two or three, two, two or two and a half, two and a half. So one of your sisters is here with you in Arizona. Yeah, yeah she's here with me. Does she also go to ASU? Yeah, she is um, studying here and she's, her major is currently community health. Um, so she's looking forward to studying medicine over here. That's that's wonderful to hear. So, and I'm sure that it's um, it's really great to have a supporting system with you, um, while you are adjusting to your current life in a foreign country, especially what happened uh, with the Taliban takeover in 2021. So, Doctor Dalarji, um, how did you first? meet these wonderful women from Afghanistan. How did you become involved with them? Well, I have to say so much credit goes to Asian University for Women because most of our students uh, were either students at AUW before in Bangladesh or were about to be students there or are close friends or relatives of students there. So when 
the Taliban came to power, it was really um, the AUW leadership that recognized that young women who were in leadership capacities in Afghanistan, those who were highly educated, those who were working in government ministries or working on women's projects, were in direct danger at the time. And so they motivated so many groups from the White House to the McCain family here in Arizona uh, to help get, get the young women out. And um, the president of Asian University for Women, Kamal Ahmed, contacted President Crow here at ASU and he said, I, I have a lot of young women who are coming up looking for American universities to take them. And initially President Crow said, okay, we'll take them all. And we ended up only getting about half of the group, but we, and because about 10 other universities took smaller numbers. We have 70 now because we also have some who have come later uh, and sisters of some <laughs> who were already here. But uh, then we just started working closely. We, we co-sponsored all the Afghan students with the International Rescue Committee, which is one of the most active refugee resettlement uh, agencies in Arizona for those who, who come to Arizona. So we had to think about, okay, everything, housing, meals, healthcare, clothing, whatever. And in many ways, it's been a great experience because it involved so many people in the wider community. Um, we have church groups and mosques and synagogues and those who were donating everything. You know, we have some people who were coming every week when they, when the students first got here to bring anything, hygiene supplies or leggings or whatever was needed. And then also we had to think carefully about how can we make ASU a friendlier campus for people in this situation? And that was already something we were concerned about. I, I work for a program called Education for Humanity, which focuses on provision of higher education for refugees around the world. But we hadn't done a lot about the refugees already at ASU. And mind you, over the past two decades, there have been hundreds of them here. But people didn't really pay attention to that. So we had to think, you know, it's different if you're here as a student, like Sabra is, she's here, this is her home. We are her family. She doesn't get to go home during the holidays or during the summer. Her housing has to be there all the time, 24 seven, 12 months out of the year. Um, ASU providing even meals and everything. It was, it was kind of interesting because our students are used to having a card and a meal plan they use in the cafeterias, but what about the holidays when the cafeterias are closed. Other things like healthcare and counseling services too. I would say one of the biggest needs, I, I, I'm betting that Sabra will agree with me, is that was not the trauma of the evacuation, though that was significant. The biggest concern and obstacle that these students face is the situation of their family and friends back in Afghanistan. Afghanistan is suffering hugely economically. People are without jobs, without money, without food even. We all know what has happened since the Taliban came to power forbidding 
girls to go to high school, university, and even permitting women to work in NGOs. That lost the, the livelihoods for many, many families like Sabados. So just having that every day and hearing from your family and being the one they depend on, a lot of our students are sending money home just to keep their families in food. That's very stressful. Imagine going to classes, you're trying to think of your future, but you're also needing to work so you can send money home and you're also, you know, they've become in a way the heads of their households. So we have 70 young women here who are the heads of their households, I would have to say. And so it's, they've been, they're amazing. They are amazing. And Sabra is just a great example because she jumped right in. She's a great photographer. She had been a photographer in Afghanistan before, as well as many other things. But when she got here, immediately, all of a sudden now, I mean, if you look at the magazines that ASU is putting out now, you'll find her name as a credit under lots of photographs on that, working for the media and public relations department at ASU. So she is a good example of how tough, brave, and resilient these students are. Absolutely. So piggybacking on some of the comments that Dr. Delargy has made, what are the biggest concerns of these beautiful, strong, resilient 70 Afghani women who came to Arizona State University from your perspective? Um, I think it's when we are the beneficiary of a program, we don't really think how these things come to us. We don't know about the background. And then when like professor were mentioning about this and I was like, wow, it needs a lot of effort. It needs a lot of um, um, human resources to do, to do this works and all of this. Um, I think I would agree with professor about the um, mental health. This is the biggest concern that we have because um, not in a way, but definitely the situation back home impact us a lot. Um, so the time is a little bit like different here and over there. Like when we, um, it, it, the evening over here is morning over there or morning is, morning over here is evening over there. So the first thing that I do every day when I wake up from sleep, I just check the news that if there is something wrong happening over here. Because my family lives from in this particular location in the west part of the Kabul, which unfortunately is prone to suicide bombers. So in the past, um, I think 10 to 15, maybe 6 to 10 years, a lot of suicide bombers and explosions, a lot of targeted attacks have been over there. So for me, the safety of my family comes first because I am already like know what's really happening over there. The first thing is like being um, uh, in danger because of your um, identity. And also the second thing is like my family, again, it comes to identity. And it's in a way um, they're like um, in danger because of um, their gender because my mom and my sister they are female and the female like literally now doesn't mean anything in Afghanistan <clears throat> and then uh, um, it comes about the financial situation like how they will deal what if sometime the Western Union doesn't work and we are not able to send money or what if 
when the Taliban doesn't allow them to go and get the money from the bank. Or what if this if we we send this money, the wrong people saw them and they see that oh they got money from US, what will happen to them? So these are the question that every time I think and I'm like, okay, please this time get from another bank. If you're um, whenever I we send money, so just telling my sister, please you should use the multiple bank when you're taking out the money, so that people do not really um, see that you are the person who's like receiving money. So these were like really basic concern over here, but this huge over there because the first thing is yes, yeah, um, I always call the Taliban terrorist group, and it is a terrorist group controlling the. Um, the country and it's not easy living under the, their power and their control and the second thing is about the poverty the poverty leads to more crimes people do not have anything so they need to survive and they can do anything for their family so um, it's really hard I think mental health is the most difficult thing or the most um, I would say the, mo the most important part that we need to pay attention because I can see the ups and downs on myself every day, sometimes like in the middle of the class, um, when the conversation of the war or the um, conflicts coming up, it makes me so emotional. I want to just cry out over there and I was like, yeah, I am one of this person. I, I am going through this and I have been through this, but at the same time, I think we are really strong we do not really most of the time we don't show our emotion maybe it's in a way um the taboo associated or still the mental health associated with the taboos and all of this so maybe i think we need to work a little bit more towards our mental health over here so then then this is a question for both of you how can the greater asu community support our students from Afghanistan, what are some of the things that they could do in order to you know, help you with your current situation, um, considering you know, your, your, your needs at the moment? I think um, the, the most important part would be to understand the person. Like every, every individual has different ways. I love to share my story. It helps me to overcome those traumas and all of that. And I don't have any issue. And I will proudly say that I'm from Afghanistan and I'm from Bamiyan, which is my hometown. <laughs> but at the same time, some of these students will become really sensitive because they have been knocked, I would say knocked down, I forgot the word, sorry. Uh, they have been in a way uh, pointed out because of their identity. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it, it's, it would be really great if they are just be open to the person, like how much she's able or he's able to share and how much she wanted. That's, I think, in a way, help her to um, give her a comfort zone so that she will be able to uh, like feel that, uh, yeah, this is welcoming, this is home and all of that. I, I know it's already like that, but people are different, human mm. beings are different. We have different um, capacity of like burying the situation or um, analyzing the words. I myself become really sensitive, even though I'm, 
I, I love to share my story, but at the same time, I'm really I became sensitive. I conceded when I'm like, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, sorry. I, you became a stupid. Because <laughs> honestly, like sometimes some small words hurt someone. I don't know why. I, I, I used to not be like this. Some people like, oh, are you sure you're from Afghanistan? I mean, like, this is, I don't want to generalize it, but I have, I have been questioned like this. And it hurts because I was like, oh my God, I don't know why, why this question <laughs> be, should be over there. I think that two, two really good points come of that. One is the benefit of having these students here is that other students at ASU and the broader ASU community have to question their stereotypes and their assumptions. And I, I know I've seen so many crazy situations like a student will be doing a really amazing job in a certain class and then other people will say, how do you know that you're from Afghanistan? Or somebody will say, but you're not wearing a burqa. Have you, you gotten that question yet? <laughs> I have this <received> a lot. <laughs> or, well, you know, you must, you know, you must want to get married and your husband will tell you what to do or something. And in a way, one, one of the most amazing aspects or watching this happen around ASU is that so many people's ideas of Afghan, Afghan women, have been challenged. Wait a minute. That person that just skateboarded by me in a pair of shorts is an Afghan woman? You know, it opens the eyes of so many people. But I also think it's difficult, as Sabra was saying. Like, I was in a conversation the other day with a number of students, and, and they were talking about counseling services. And they were saying, well, you know, it's great. Everybody wants but, you know, every time we go into counseling services, they think, they seem to think we're all the same. They say, oh, you came from Afghanistan. I'm sorry. I'm, you must have been traumatized by the departure. And then they assume we want to talk about that. We said, but actually, I wanted to talk about the problem I'm having with my instructor on <laughs> in this class because I don't think they're being reasonable. And, you know, so... I think we all are learning not to make assumptions and to be much more open to new ideas about people and places. And, and this photo exhibit is a fantastic example because what a lot of people, I'm sure, around Arizona know about Afghanistan, they've seen on the news or they've seen, you know, the airport evacuation or they've seen Taliban or or all of this, what they haven't seen is the beauty of so much of the country and the way people live every day, that, that there are people snow skiing in Afghanistan. One of our students was actually a national snowboard champion. And we have students here who were Taekwondo champions. That's amazing. And so... Yes, yes. And so I think that's been a fabulous thing about about ASU being home for these students because they have taught so many, they've taught all the rest of us, 
you know, wow, stop making assumptions. Absolutely. And the Agil, the photos from Afghanistan portray a completely different side of Afghanistan. I mean, the, the collection is just absolutely brilliant. And, and I think congratulations are in order. But tell us about what stories did you did you intend to capture with these photos? And, you know, what stories um, were you trying to say? Thank you so much. Um, I just want to clarify. Yeah, this is um, photos from Afghanistan, but actually it doesn't represent all part of Afghanistan because I couldn't have the chance to go all over, but I would love to some days to go back and explore that other part of Afghanistan, it represents only the Bamiyan city of Bamiyan, um, sorry, Afghanistan, which is in the central part of Afghanistan. So the story that I want to try to show is focused more into beauty, as Professor mentioned. Um, but when I took the picture, I have never, I did, I did not have this intention of like exhibiting them, or maybe I don't know, using them at all, because I was just capturing the moments of their life over Every day when I used to go to office, I was carrying my camera. I, whenever I see a, a beautiful scene, I was taking the picture. <clears throat> and then it was in my hard disk. I it didn't even review the photos until I came to U.S. So um, what happened, like, when the Taliban came, I didn't take anything but accept my hard disk. I was, I have around, like, I think maybe more than ten to 15,000 photos over there. And I was like, okay, no matter what will happen, I will carry this. And in the airport, I pretend that this is a portable charger. So I was like just trying to connect to show that this is um, connected to my mobile. Because in case of the Taliban would notice, I don't know what would happen because there is a lot of photos, which the Taliban doesn't want to see. It's like a different side of Afghanistan. It shows women doing whiskey. It shows women doing their cycling. It shows woman doesn't have wearing this skirt or hijab and all of that. So that's how I took the photos out. And when I came over here, as Professor mentioned, like people make a lot of assumptions. They're like, oh, you came from this community. And I don't um, blame anyone over here. I think it's maybe more of the media, how Afghanistan has been represented over the past 20 years. It was all conflict, war, violence, I don't know, explosion, um, and maybe it gets the attention because of that. And I don't even blame media because Afghanistan in a way was like that. Um, and I don't ignore the fact that it was, it was, there was violence, there was war, there was harassment, sexual abuse, domestic violence, everything. But despite that there was a normal life going on, I would say called not really normal, but at least the life was going on. People were like um, enjoying their life, even though they, they had really limited um, facilities, limited resources and all of that. Especially in my hometown, the, where the photos coming from, it's a small town, um, a small city where majority of the people are below poverty line. But what, what was more um, exceptional about my hometown was like very peaceful. In the past 20 years, Bamiyan was very famous for its peaceful community, for welcoming communities. So other people from other parts of Afghanistan, they used to travel and come to my hometown and they were like just experiencing this peace in my hometown. They were enjoying 
girls were not wearing their scarf. When they were like entering Bamiyan, they would take out their scarves and um, they would play music as loud as they want. They would dance on the street. They would just go to in front of the Buddha and all of that. So that's something I remember from my hometown. I would admire that um, even though it doesn't matter like where I will be, I know my last experience from my hometown was worse. It, um, but I remember uh, my hometown, those small um, pieces that made me to miss to my hometown so badly. And I would like, oh my God, I don't know where heaven will be. I think it's my hometown. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I just want to show like at the side of Afghanistan. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just want to add this part. Sure. And I think it's happening no matter when the other part of Afghanistan might be, there might be violence or something like that, but still there was life going on. And I'm sure other part of Afghanistan had the same beauties of my hometown, but I couldn't get the chance to go there. Again, just as a reminder to our audience, Agil, the photos from Afghanistan, will be at the Multicultural Communities of Excellence space until March 31st. Um, come and check it out. It's, it's absolutely beautiful and amazing and tells this beautiful story of what life was like in a small portion of Afghanistan before the Taliban took over. Any final thoughts? Anything that you would like to add, Sabira or Dr. Delarji? I would say just to remind everybody that, I mean, we have 70 young Afghan women. We also have lots of other Afghan students who are here already on Fulbright fellowships and in other ways. We have lots of Ukrainian students. We have other students who are in a similar situation in terms of their home country being in turmoil right now. And it can be a little bit tricky. You know, you don't want to just approach somebody and say, oh my gosh, you're from Ukraine or you're from Afghanistan or you're from Somalia or something. What's happening there? But I think people do appreciate when you're interested in their country and their culture. And to remember that these countries are more than their conflict. And there's so much richness in cultures. Um, if, if you're somebody, you have an, uh, an Afghan or Ukrainian classmate and you want to talk to them, but you're not quite sure what to say, say, hey, tell me about the music of your country. Tell me who is the most famous musician. Tell me about the writers or the literature of your country. Tell me about the weather. <laughs> even. Food. The food. The food is also a great one. But that there are so many things that we can learn from each other, you know, and and without approaching things that, you know, might be sensitive or something. And just to open up that conversation, I, I get a little bit worried because I hear from some American students like, you know, well, I there's somebody in my class when the Ukrainian conflict started. I had a Ukrainian classmate, but I just didn't know what to say. So I didn't say anything. And that's about the worst response. You know, say something, say anything. Just say, I'm sorry that this is happening. The world is an unjust and unfair place sometimes, but we're all in it together. What can we do to help you? Um, or just have fun together. And I think 
a lot of our Afghan students, though there are many, many challenges, they're also undergraduate and graduate students who want to do the same thing that every other undergraduate and graduate student wants to do. They want to go to museums. They want to go on field trips. They want to climb a mountain. Dancing. <laughs> they want to dance. They want to go to the gym. You know, they enjoy all of these aspects. And and I would say also for for other students and, and ASU staff, offer windows into your own culture too. Like, hey, you know, I'm I'm from Georgia. I can cook southern food. Hey, wanna know about southern food? Oh my gosh, there's a similarity there. Or, you know, there are so many ways to reach out and learn from each other. I think um, exchanging cultures, no matter what's our background or um, what we have been through, I think exchanging culture is really important. Um, we would love to share, as Professor mentioned, we would love to share anything about the country, especially... Especially think, dancing. Yeah, <laughs> dancing, food. I have seen my friends, myself, like whenever we see people, like, oh, do you want to try Afghan food, Afghan dry food? And like, um, we are really open to share everything. So it's like, we just take out, if we have dry fruits in our backpack, it's like sharing, oh yeah, this is dry fruit, this is coming from Afghanistan. Or like, um, trying to invite friends over and cook something from Afghanistan, trying to show our culture beyond like, what um, other experience were there. Um, those are something really fun. And we we are like, when it's coming to dance, we learn baby doesn't care if you know or not, we just go and start dancing. <laughs> Professor know how much we love dance. And um, the last thing I wanna mention, and this is like my hope, I wish um, there is no more war, no more conflict and no more violence um, in all over the world because um, coming from this background, I know how tough it is, and sometimes I question, like, why we, why us, why people from Afghanistan, and why Afghan women go through this? And I don't have any question, but um, besides being, like, a good friend, I think others can be a voice for Afghan women in this situation. It's really critical for Afghan women because it's really hard to say only one day. I mean, we have been through the COVID. And people were complaining of staying at home, but African women were literally removed from the community. And it's time maybe other women from um, other part of the world. It doesn't ma matter with gender. Other people, other human beings can just be a voice, can just maybe raise awareness, can just talk about it, what's happening um, that in Afghanistan or any part of the world, so that we can maybe somehow um, beyond the borders, we can come together and just be as friends and human beings. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your thoughts, reflections, and stories with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And that concludes our conversation with Sabira Medadi and Dr. Pamela Delogi. See you next time.